You're listening to the Corporate Quitter Podcast, where it's all about exploring possibilities for making an honest living outside of the traditional nine to five. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Corporate Quitter. I'm your host, Gabby Ionello, and today's guest I'm so excited about because she is not only an inspiration as both a business owner and a mom, but she has also a really, really unique story of having overcome some of the biggest hurdles, both in the corporate career and in a business. I just am so grateful that I not only got to get to know her, but you guys are going to get to know her as well. Her name is Leslie Levito. She's an MBA and corporate executive dropout. She founded two businesses, etc., and Cut Class, which help people unlock their fullest potential through creating businesses and brands. So Leslie, I'm so freaking excited that you're on today. Thank you so much for giving the time to just share all your gold nuggets and your story as well. I am so excited to be here with you today and with everyone. So I know we spoke for like two hours when we initially met just about business and getting acquainted. But for my listeners, can you share what your story is? Like, I know you were in the C-suite executive and then you were running your own business. And there's like a lot of shit that went down, even with running your first business and now changing gears to now, et cetera, and cut class. So like, what's your full story? What happened? Okay. (laughs) I'll give you the down and dirty version. I grew up in a family that was kind of like, what kind of doctor do you want to be? Like, those were my choices. And I was on a pre-med track in my junior year of college. I kind of realized that I loved snowboarding, of all things. And I kind of came to the conclusion in my early 20s that I was doing what my parents wanted me to do, not what I wanted to do. So much to everyone's dismay and complete disappointment, I dropped out of my pre-med track and just started snowboarding. In my early 20s, I started a snowboard and skateboard shop. It was outside Philadelphia. That's kind of where I learned a lot about business. I realized that I had a lot of great instincts towards business, and it became one of the top three retail stores in the United States for snowboarding and skateboarding. It was amazing. You know, I was living in my passion. I was making a shit ton of money. And I was doing what I loved and really impacting a lot of people as they also could, like, discover skateboarding and snowboarding. It was really amazing. I had a great run for 13 years. In 2009, after the recession, unfortunately, I had opened up to two more stores right when the financial crisis hit. So in 2009, I found myself closing my business that I had had, getting a divorce, filing for bankruptcy, My house was going into foreclosure, and I was a single mom. So (laughs) needless to say, it wasn't very fun. I also, at the time, was 36 years old. So for me, at that time, I kind of felt like I was done. Like it was over. Like I had played a hand. It was a strong hand, and now I folded my hand, and I was screwed. So that's kind of when I started listening to my mom and my family, and everybody was like, okay, you had your fun you did that thing. Now go get a real job and have a real life and stop with all this, you know, like, oh, you know, dreamer stuff and get real and, you know, like be a responsible adult. (laughs) So at 36, I decided to be a responsible adult. I got a job working at Free People on their buying team. And it lasted a whole like six months before I got fired. And then I was unemployed. And so there I was, 2010, unemployed, single mom, bankrupt, And just kind of like, I got to get my act together. Like I had to for my son. Like I had a four-year-old and he was my biggest why. So I moved to Los Angeles and I started networking and I got an interview with Baker Boys Distribution. 
And I got that job as international sales manager. (laughs) And I think I accepted a position earning like, I want to say like $45,000 a year plus commission. (laughs) It was something like a fraction of what I was used to earning. But, you know, I was really determined. So through the next four years, I worked at Baker Boys. I was the international sales manager. I got promoted to director of sales. And then in 2013, got promoted to chief of operations. And just to lay the context, while I was climbing the corporate ladder, I was like, okay, I want to do everything that I'm, quote, supposed to do. So I also put myself through school and got my MBA. I got an executive MBA at Pepperdine. It was a 20-month program. So 2012 and 2013 were very intense for me because I was working full-time. I had a child. And I also was in this MBA program, super rigorous. And in 2013, I got pregnant. It was a lot. And I learned a lot in that time period about being very intentional because I didn't want to drop the ball on my corporate career. I didn't want to drop the ball with my family. And I didn't want to drop the ball with my MBA. At the end of 2013, I can remember the red light that I was at, but I was at a red light with my son, Logan. He was around seven that time, eight years old. And he asked me when he was going to get picked up from school. And I was like, you're going to get picked up by your uncle like always, and then I'll be home around 6, 6.30. And he was really upset. And I asked him, like, what are you so upset about? And he's like, I just hate being picked up by my uncle. And, you know, I want you to be home earlier. And I was like, I can't pick you up from school at 3. Like, I have to work. And he was like, why do you have to work? And I said, well, because that's how I earn money. Like, don't you like the toys that you have and the clothes that you wear and the food that you eat and the roof over your head. And he was quiet for a minute. I remember looking up in the rearview mirror and he looks at me and he says, I would rather be homeless on the streets and be with you than what we're doing now. And it was like getting stabbed in the heart because I tried so hard through those four years to build security, to do something for my family and for our future. And then there I was at this light realizing that I screwed everything up because like the very thing that was most important to me, my son, I was failing at. Because if you think about it, when you're in corporate and you're a parent, especially if you're an executive, you might spend an hour every weekday morning with your kids, getting them ready for school and shuffling them off. And then you come home, you make them dinner, they take a bath, you put them to bed. It's like you don't really see your kids Monday through Friday. And then on Saturday and Sunday, you're running errands. And the other thing I kind of really realized after having that conversation with Logan was who I was being as a mom, like super stressed all the time, short with him sometimes, not really because of anything he was doing, but just because I was really stressed out with work and just trying to keep my footing in corporate. So that's kind of like where I got to. And in 2014, I resigned I started consulting, and then that consultancy turned into an agency, and that agency kind of kept going. In 2020, I closed the agency, Faust Levito, and then in 2021, I reinvented with a new business partner and created et cetera. And we also did Cut Class at the same time. And really, Cut Class and et cetera do the same thing. They help people's visions of business come to life. Etc. is a little bit more white glove. People tell us what they want, and we go and do the work and make it all happen for them. 
we're collaborating with them, but we do a lot of the actual heavy lifting. And with Cut Class, it's a little bit more me working with founders, teaching them business so they can DIY it, but they have that support and structure of somebody who can give them a roadmap and give them guidance along the way. So yeah, that's the shortest I think I can make my story. But the most intense story, oh my God. Like, I feel like what you live through is like, whether you're in corporate or you're running a business yourself, you really did experience like the worst moments, right? Those moments that people panic about of like, I don't want to lose a business or I don't want to go into foreclosure or I don't want to work all the time to the bone where I don't see my family. Like you have lived such a full life in only this short amount of time. Like you're doing things that people never have the strength or courage to do to continually reinvent yourself. And that's honestly fucking incredible. You should be so proud, Leslie, really. Uh, Well, thank you. I mean, hopefully most people won't have to go through all those things. Um, Divorce is not fun. Closing a business is not fun. Bankruptcy is not fun. And it seems so scary, but honestly, it's not that big of a deal. Like, I totally bounced back. I was able to get a jumbo loan for a mortgage a couple of years ago. Like, I just looked at my credit score. It's, like, higher than it's ever been. So, you know, you will survive it if you happen to do any of those things. And I don't know why, for me, it happened all together <laughs> at one time. It's funny because I I find that the same thing happens. Like, it's never just one thing. It's usually, like, a culmination of things. But I know what you mean by some people. It's, like, inklings of things that happen to them over time, but I'm the same way. It's either everything happens against me at one point and then everything happens for me at the same time. It's fun. Yeah. I think sometimes everything has to happen all at once because that's what it's going to take to get you to get it. And if it was a slower trickle, maybe you wouldn't see it. So I really feel that our lives unfold either by design because we're being intentional and we're thinking about what do I want my future to look like? Who do I want to be? And you're designing your life. Or (laughs) if you're doing what I was doing back in 2009, your life unfolds via disaster. And the universe is kind of like, okay, so I'm going to support you in getting this. And to support you in getting this, here comes the shit storm. Let's see how you go through it. But it's reassuring that someone like you who has done so many things and had so much success, like you survived all the bad things because everyone's always in a panic. Like, right, you're like monkey brain is almost like if that bad thing happens, I'm going to die. Like I'm literally going to die if I don't make money. I'm literally going to die if I lose the job or whatever it is. And you're kind of the epitome of like, no, you're just going to reinvent yourself and pivot and like create a new life. Yeah, there definitely is something in like the way humans are structured that our fears feel so big and they feel real, like they're really going to happen. And, you know, it's funny because as kids, we don't listen to our moms, right? Like you hear them like Charlie Brown, like, (laughs) but my mom used to always tell me, and I realize now that, you know, I'm older, that she was so right. My mom used to say, Leslie, 90% of the things that you worry about and that you're so scared of are never going to happen. Of the 10% that do happen, 9% of them, when they happen, you're going to have everything that you need to figure it out. And the other 1% where things just got gnarly, in a year, three years, five years, when you look back on it, it's going to be like something that you're like, wow, I really grew from that. Or, you know, it wasn't that fun when I was going through it, but man, it really forged me into who I am. And, you know, my mom is totally right. I mean, I look back at 
all the things like I shared about my career, but even at 16, my father's suicide, all these things happened to me. And in the moment, they were horrible. But, you know, someone told me once, if you're in hell, just keep walking, you keep going, and you will turn the corner and have like another path that you take. You just have to kind of work through it. It's all a learning experience. Yeah, that's what I'm finding over time too is that like even like I was speaking with my Reiki teacher yesterday and he's like, you have to remember to be grateful for all the shitty things that happen because they are perfectly chosen for you and your path to get you to become the person you need to be because we've all come here to like learn certain lessons and experience certain things. And if those things don't happen or fall in places they should, you're not going to get to where you need to be. Like you're not going to learn the lesson of why you even came here on earth in the first place, right? Earth school, if you will. I'm like, fuck, you're right. One thousand percent. It's all part of your path and plan. It's interesting, right? Because when it's happening, you're totally resisting it. You're like, why is this happening to me? I don't want this. And, you know, it's just keeping that bigger context and knowing that it's all unfolding. So, I mean, we can keep talking about this, like, go on a tangent like we did when we first met, but, like, for the people who are on track right now for the C-suite, right, they're in corporate and they're like, oh, I'm just going to tough through it and, you know, whatever. And obviously, if they're listening to this, they do want to quit, but they're, like, still on board for the timeline that's been set up for them. Can you spill the deets on like what it's really like being in the C-suite? Because I know it looks all glamorous, right? You get like the, I don't know, multi-six-figure salary and you have the title and all that stuff. But is it really that great? Because I feel like everyone's chasing you to get your job and it's just stressful as fuck and like, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I can't speak for every C-suite situation, obviously. Like it is for some people. And there are really great companies out there that are changing the way corporate looks, right? But for the most part, we're still stuck in an outdated paradigm. And so if you just look at the typical company and the structure of it, right, it kind of looks like a triangle where there's fewer positions at the top, but more positions at the bottom, right? There's a lot more entry-level positions. So once you start ascending the corporate ladder, there's fewer and fewer positions. So that's like kind of one thing is you get to this part where you're like in that middle of the corporate ladder. And in order for you to advance, the person whose job you want, they either have to get fired, quit, or die in order for you to get to that position. Now you can jump from corporate ladder to corporate ladder, but there are fewer positions. And then once you get up into those positions, I mean, it is, you know, you have like the sexy title, you have the income, which by the way, six-figure income, I know that if you've never had it, it sounds like so much money. But once you get there, your lifestyle and everything also increases because you're an executive. So you also have more expenses. You're going to start probably wearing nicer clothes and driving a nicer car and you're kind of up-leveling and upgrading your life. You don't actually necessarily save more money than you were before. You can if you're really diligent, but you know that is like one kind of fallacy of it. And then the other thing is there's a lot of responsibility and pressure and stress being in the C-suite because you're guiding a company. And then the handful of people that are running the company is really small. So if one of those people change and switch out, which is kind of what happened with us, it can change the whole vibe of how the C-suite feels. And then, you know, for me personally, and if you're kind of working in a corporation where things are a little bit more traditional, after work, 
there's happy hour and there's like things that you're doing in the evening after work that's quote, not for work, but it's about building those relationships and rapport that keep you in the position that you're in. And for me as a mother, it's like, no, when I get off work, no, I do not have time to go out drinking and having drinks at happy hour. I have a kid to go to, you know, so I can't say that everyone experiences that, but I did, you know, the other females that I was working with that were also mothers, like it was hard because it did feel like you're at a disadvantage if you have family priorities. Yeah. I've been on both sides where like I worked in corporate and saw and supported women who had children and they were in those like high level managing directors, managing partners levels, and they never got to see their kids. And I've also been a nanny. So I've been on the household side to raise children and then see what it was like from a home perspective for a high-level executive woman at like a banking institution. And it's like, on both sides, they're not having fun. It's not as great as you think. It's not how it's supposed to be. Like one of the first people that I coached early on, her name was Amanda Nelson, and she was the VP at Guess. And she was one of the, you know, executives that made Nasty Gal, Nasty Gal back in the, you know, 2000s. And, you know, it's like she was making a ridiculous amount of money and had like, it. you know, if you listen, it's like, wow, that sounds amazing. You're making all that money and you fly around on a private jet and you have all these things, but she was never home. You buy into, I want the title, I want the income, I want the private jet, the, the private, you know, first class flights. But I think you have to really stop and think about what is important to you. What does success really look like to you? And it's not about what your parents think or what society thinks, but what's really going to make you happy and then go for that. Because if you just go for what we are told to do, we're kind of like all buying into this, climb the corporate ladder, get the title, get the promotion, get the raise. But I don't know if you even think about a $10,000 raise when you break it down into like what it comes down to every week or a day, $10,000 sounds like a lot. And I'm not knocking it, but is it really going to impact your sense of fulfillment and freedom? Is it really going to get you like taking those trips that you want to take? Or can you do that social impact that you really wanted to do with the extra $100 a week or whatever it comes down to be? Yeah. Plus like taxes too. It's like gone. Like all my friends who got bonuses this year, like I have one friend in particular, we used to work together and she's like, I can't believe I waited a whole entire year for my salary increase, right? This raise that I was promised and a bonus. And when I got both, not only was I disappointed, but now I'm even more pissed off because I see that they don't value me. So I just wasted a whole year that I could have been working on a business or even working somewhere else. And I like barely got what I wanted or thought I could essentially get. Yeah, you know, $10,000 raise divided by 52 weeks in a year is $192 a week prior to taxes, right? So it's probably like $150 after taxes. And, you know, for some people that's a lot, but I think it's like, instead of thinking about incremental achievement and growth, it's like, what if you had something that was more exponential? We're not taught financial literacy in school or mainstream. So people don't even realize that the United States is set up for business owners with write-offs and deductions. The deck is stacked against employees but they don't even realize it. Yeah. Like you actually had me realize that. I didn't even know that you can actually deduct your benefits. Like if you're self-employed, you can deduct your health insurance and write all these things that you wouldn't think that you could do. So it's almost like you're getting free insurance or free benefits to an extent, right? To an extent. 
Yeah, it's like, it's not free, but you're not paying the taxes on it. You're getting all the pre-tax benefit of it. So yeah, you can have your retirement plans and your 401ks and your health insurance and your IRAs. You can do all of that as a business owner. And then you're reducing your tax liability. Yeah, crazy. They don't know, they don't teach you that. They don't teach you that. Yeah, they, I mean, I don't have proof that it's set up for a certain reason, but I have a strong hunch that there's a reason why we're not given financial literacy in school. Oh, well, I mean, it's to keep the big players in the game. Come on. (laughs) There's a lot of unfolding within even that phrase, but yeah, everyone's in bed with each other. We're just going to keep the big people big and the small people small. And the small people scared. Yeah, definitely fear. A lot of fear mongering. I heard the best quote. I don't remember who the quote is by, but the quote was, there are only three real addictions, heroin, carbs, and a biweekly paycheck. (laughs) (laughs) Because we're taught to think like you want a job with a biweekly paycheck because that's secure. And we all buy into it. I mean, it kind of makes sense. You just, you're like, oh, I know every other week I have this much money. But That's like employee mindset. If you break into entrepreneurial mindset, you start to realize that there's no security spending all your time building someone else's dream. There's no security when you can get laid off any minute or restructured. There's no security when you can get a new boss that you don't get along with, but yet you've devoted, you know, six years of your life to this company. And then that new person comes in above you and they clean house and they're like, bye. There's no security really in having a job. The only ones that I see, like, I mean, you know, if you are in a small business and you're the right-hand person to a business owner or you're part of that initial team, I think there's more security in that because there's a little bit more loyalty of you building, but you still never know. Like, I actually coach a woman. She works in a really small company, and she's been the right hand to the owner He's getting older and wants to retire, and he wants to sell the company, and he's not offering it to her. And so when the company sells, she can be completely done. And she's invested the last 10 years of her life. I mean, it's— it's. We just got so depressed. No, no, but I I think it's—like, this is the thing I try to continually tell people is that, number one, there's not only one way to do things, but also, like, the golden handcuffs are called handcuffs for a reason, like— you're trapping yourself by remaining somewhere that the rug can get swept up underneath you. And then you have no skills to run with in any other direction, unless you replicate the same position like somewhere else. Like if you're an analyst at Morgan Stanley, most likely you'll have to be an analyst at that Bank of America or something. Like you can't go run a business, but if you become a business owner, you know every facet about a business. You can, in theory, use any of those skills in any other place. Totally. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize when you climb the corporate ladder, it actually gets kind of harder to leave. I did a TikTok and people were getting so upset with me, but I was, you know, you only have like 15 seconds to make your point. But I was saying that in some ways it was harder to be a corporate exec leaving than when I was an unemployed mother. Because when I was unemployed, I had not much to lose. I only had one way to go up. Like, I was at the bottom of the barrel. But when I was an executive (laughs) making six figures, that was hard because I, it felt very risky to leave a great position, a six-figure income for the unknown. 
when I resigned as an executive, just my student loan bill, just that one bill was $1,500 a month. So I had to figure out like, okay, how am I going to make this transition and give all this up? I mean, and everybody, like when I was resigning, you know, the other people in the C-suite, my husband, my parents, everybody was like, are you sure that this is a good idea? Like you literally got, you literally got the holy grail. You got the ultimate position and you just got your MBA and you just had a baby. Is this the best decision? And I just knew that I had to go for my kids and for my own sanity, to tell you the truth. So like, how did, like, was this like a spiritual moment that you had? Like, how did you change your timeline from like ticking boxes? Like, okay, salary, title, blah, blah, blah. You know, that really wasn't integral to who you were as a person, maybe back then, but this new version of yourself to having a life that's now more aligned, spending more time with your kids, more fluid, more in flow. How did you change that? You know, I don't think it was a, there was one moment. I think it was a gradual process. But for me, I've always done exactly what I thought I was supposed to do. When I got to my late 20s, I was like, oh, got to get married because I have a timeline. I have to have a, want to make sure that I have kids. I want to have like my first one in my 30s. So, you know, I ended up marrying my then boyfriend and having a kid at 32. And I thought I was doing everything as I was supposed to do. Like I just could feel the clock ticking. And then there I was at 36 with a four-year-old divorced, you know? So then I kind of realized that there's all these imposed expectations or how we think things should go. And I started really contemplating for myself, what if it's not about, am I going to have a great career or am I going to have a great family? Like not this or that, but what about if it could be this and that? Like how can I have a great career, and be a great mom. Because I'm definitely somebody who could not be a stay-at-home mom. It would not work. I would get restless, and I think it would be a disastrous situation. So I knew I needed to work because for me, working is a way that you get to be self-expressed and contribute and be fulfilled because you love what you do. But for me, you know, that wasn't working at corporate because the time constraints of the nine to five, Monday through Friday, and let's get real, it wasn't nine to five. It was more like eight to six, and then I had to commute. So my idea at the time was I had just worked with this HR company. So for those of you who are dedicated to staying in corporate for a little bit longer, you can work with an HR company and they will evaluate your experience, the level of companies that you've worked with. They can come up with a pretty precise number of what you should earn. So I worked with an HR company, and they said that after my MBA and my experience, I could earn $285,000 a year in a corporate position. And I started thinking, if I can earn $285,000 working corporate, which is probably going to be a 60-hour work week, maybe I could work 30 hours and earn $140,000. Or even if I earned $120,000, I started thinking more about working less and earning more so that I could be the mother that I wanted to be, and also just the human that I wanted to be. Yeah. I think there's a lot of, especially for women, this misconception that you have to choose one or the other instead of having both. Like everyone always says, you can't have it all. You can't do it all. You can totally have it all. 100%. That is a limiting belief that someone made up and then it spread like wildfire and you believe it and buy into it. You can totally have it all. Why not? Yeah. I'm at this point where I'm starting to believe that it can actually be a thing. I'm not a mom yet. I plan to be, but I don't want to say it haunts me, but me being a nanny and then being in corporate, I'm like, oh shit. Like if I, I can't stay in corporate and then expect five, 
10 years from now when I'm at my mom to make it work. Like I already, I've seen both sides. I know how this ends. So we need to leave now and get something under my belt. So the foundation is set so I can actually be both of who I want to be instead of one or the other. I mean, I can't put a price on when my kids get sick that I have the ability to just completely clear my calendar and that I don't have any kind of stress or ripple effect from it. Like I have my own business. The other great thing about what I've been able to create and everyone can create is that not only do I have my own business, but I work with collaborators of my choosing. So we're all together in this container where we're supporting each other and out for each other's win. So when something does happen, because breakdowns in life are going to happen, they're right there for me because we've built like a whole structure and system where we have each other's back. So I can take off whenever my kids need me in the morning if my son's like, you know, I don't want to go to the after-school program. He likes it because he gets to do a lot of sports, but sometimes he's like, can you pick me up from school today? And it's amazing to just be like, sure, no problem, gotcha. Or, you know, just being able to do whatever you want because you're not in that nine to five rat race. Yeah, I just experienced that. Like my voice is so stuffy for those of you who can't tell. I was sick like a dog, like for the past five days. Like I haven't been sick like that in like maybe five years with like the fever, the chills, the like all of it. And I just, I sent emails saying like, hey, I can't, today I'm off. Like we're not taking calls. We're not doing any of that. And there was no guilt around trying to come up with a reason a really good reason for my manager to let me to take time off and then hoping that they believe me that I'm actually sick. Like that whole guilt. And then they're texting you every day of like, hey, when are you coming back? How are you feeling? Like, when are you going to jump back on board? Like, and then returning back to work when it's, you really shouldn't, like you still need time, but you have to go back because you've already taken like three days and you're like, okay, I'm going to get in trouble if I don't go back. Like none of that shit. So nice. No, it it really is. Like if you've ever seen the movie, The Matrix, it really is like being in The Matrix that, you think that this is a reality and how it has to be, and you can completely unplug and see it for what it is. Insanity. <laughs> That's what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just the beginning, the transition period is very fucking hard. It's so hard. <laughs> like mindset-wise too. It, it is really hard, and here's why. Because the whole environment around us is set up for jobs. And so when you want to break away from that, you have to be kind of a renegade. You have to be willing to believe that there's something else out there for you. And most of the conversations around you, your family, your friends, are pulling for you keeping that secure job, which is often what they're doing, right? You also have to understand that like, when you make a break, you're kind of rocking the boat for the situation that they're in. So like, by you examining your life and what's important to you, you're kind of forcing them to do the same. And it's like a lot of resistance there. And the other thing is that since we're never taught financial literacy in school, we're never really taught entrepreneurial mindset, it's a whole new conversation. So you have to learn that whole new conversation. And then that whole new conversation that you're learning is tied to your livelihood. Most of us aren't post-economic. Most of us need to have income coming in in order to live. So all of that combined together and going out of your comfort zone, it's a thing. Yeah. But it's funny because I found, I'm sure you found the same thing, is that once you started getting traction or things started to work out a little better in your business, like the seeds started to be planted in your community. So all of a sudden, like your friends, your family, spouse, like whoever, they're like, oh, that's, maybe I'll actually do that too. Like she's onto something. But 
Now that we're talking about like finances and stuff, because that's like the big question and whatever else and just business in general, what do you wish you knew before starting your businesses? Because now you've, right, you've been through like the ringer, if you will. So you've seen it all. What do you wish you knew? So what I wish I knew and did was the ongoing practice of connecting with people and like having a community around you. I've always been super shitty at it not keeping in touch with people or I've always had this, I'm an introvert conversation, which by the way, I think I got boxed in. And then I've realized in the last years that I'm actually not quote an introvert. I just was told that and then lived into that. But community and connecting with others is really where it all happens. Because even if you're just talking to a friend by the virtue of talking and not having everything in your head, like if you're in your head, you're just thinking and going in circles, but by conversations and communication, things start moving even just in your own mind. And then as you start to share and talk to people, people will rally around you and things will start moving for you. So I really wish, number one, that practice of connecting was a muscle that I was better at and that I had built earlier on. Number two, I just wish I understood flexibility. I think it's critical to have a plan because you have to have like an idea of how things are going to go. But I promise you, whatever your plan is, it's not going to go that way because it just doesn't. Things will evolve. There's going to be X factors that come up. So having a plan, but then allowing yourself to be flexible, to let things flow, that way you're not suffering and like stressed out and anxious when things don't go as planned. Because I have always been a perfectionist and definitely trend towards type A. So I always had a plan. But then when there was breakdowns, it caused a lot of frustration for me and a lot of doubt. And that's, I think, if you can't be flexible, you're going to feed the imposter syndrome machine because things aren't going to go as planned. And then you're going to have this like, I knew I didn't have what it takes, you know, and it just kind of snowballs. And the number three is... I wish I had known more about budgeting. And I don't mean just budgeting money, but also time and energy. Like really understanding these are the resources that I have right now. And what is the most that I can do with my time, energy, and money right now to make the most difference so that I can grow those three areas? That's what I wish I had known. Of those three, which do you think that the business owner should focus on the most? Like what's the most important one? Ah, that's such a hard question. Um, I know. I'm just curious. <laughs> I, I mean, I think they're all important, but if I if you're forcing me to pick one, I guess I would pick budgeting because when I work with people, what I noticed is, let's say they have like three or five thousand dollars to kind of get started, they'll run out and like go get an LLC and go get a website and go get this and that. Like they have no plan. They're just kind of like. Oh, I talked to my friend who has a cousin and they had a business and they said that I need to get a website. And they'll kind of start taking actions. And the thing is, it's like your business is your baby. So you want to name it and you want to, you know, buy it clothes and stuff. So you want like the name, the logo, the website, the this, the that. You want to feel legit and have an LLC. But those aren't always strategically the smartest things you should be doing with the limited resources that you have. So I think budgeting is a real big one because the thing is, is if you don't have a budget and a plan of how your money is being activated and when it's being activated, more than likely you're going to run out of money. And when you run out of money, you're going to have to go back to a nine to five, which can be really debilitating for a lot of people because once you taste freedom, it's really hard to not have it anymore. Yeah. 
Uh, it's the fucking worst to like take orders from anyone. Even like sometimes like I do sometimes like do it for you services. So like I'll launch someone's podcast or help them with whatever thing it is. And even those things, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm helping and I'm happy to do that. But at the same time, I don't want someone to tell me what to do. I want to like do what I have been enjoying the past few months, whatever it is, TikTok or podcasting or whatever it is. Yeah. And in the beginning, you really want to have like a portfolio of what you're doing. There's going to be probably a larger portion of your portfolio where you're doing that stuff that you don't necessarily love, but you need to do in order to keep the cash flow going. And I think you just have to reframe it as like, I'm building my future. I'm financing my future. And that's why I'm doing these activities. But if you get so in the mode of only doing that type of work, you're not leaving space in your life to get the real work that you want to do. So you really have to kind of figure out you know, what do I have to do to kind of keep things going, but then leave that space to call in the real projects that you want that makes a bigger difference and has more financial impact on you. So with that, are you suggesting that people, they have like a yes year, if you will, where you just like as clients or projects or things come up, you say yes to it in the hopes that it will either, well, yes, in one way, finance whatever avenue or project you're working on. And also seeing if that's something that you actually like or could potentially like do a trickle effect into something else? Or is that a no? Like you're still like, nope, be choosy. Yeah. Well, it's all circumstantial, but this is actually one of the coaching segments I have with my clients. And I'll I'll relate it to dating and marriage because <laughs> it's something that we can understand pretty easily. So there's people in your life, like a lot of us are looking for that soulmate or that marriage material, which if you extrapolate that to business, those are like the amazing projects that they look great in your portfolio. They completely fulfill who you are. They're exciting to work for and they pay you a ton of money, right? Those are like marriage material projects. And then there's projects that are more like one night stands. You don't necessarily prefer them, but you know, like you have to do what you're just doing what you need, right? So if you think about it, if you're always in a series of one night stands, you're probably not putting yourself in a way to be aligned with meeting your soulmate, right? Because you're energetically spending a lot of time and energy on one night stands. You do have to like have some kind of balance there where my recommendation is always like find your baseline. What's the minimum that you need to earn? And how many of those less desirable projects would you need to do in order to cover that baseline? And then do you still have room to potentially say no. Like at some point you have to say no to the less desirable clients and projects so that you can have space for the more desirable ones. It is another scary crossroad that we cross as a business owner where there is a moment where you have to stop saying yes to everything and you have to say, I'm going to hold out for the projects that are more have future. Because if you always just say yes to every contract that brings in money, you're not going to grow. And it's another moment just like leaving nine to five where you're like, I have to draw my boundaries and I have to go for what it is that aligns with me and resonates with me. And that's when your business will totally change. I like the dating analogy. It makes complete sense. I like it a lot. It's funny. (laughs) It makes complete sense, but it always feels so weird when I'm sharing it because it's I just think about like the idea of like continuous one night stands, you know, and then, okay. So usually what I do is there's the projects that just bring in money 
and they don't bring in anything else. Those are literally like one night stands. Then there's the projects that you can take. They might not even bring in money. You might even donate your time, but they allow you to increase your portfolio or they allow you to learn something new, like get your foot into a new industry that you don't have experience in. That's like going out on a date with someone who's completely, quote, not your type, but you're trying it anyway. And then there's really great clients and projects where the money is good and it's good for your portfolio and it's not bad. It's not great, right? But that's kind of like a client that you go study with. But you're always going to be looking for like marriage material, soulmate clients. But you just have to realize that meeting them can take a little bit longer time just because they tend to be bigger projects. So that's where, you know, looping back to what do I wish I knew before was like being in your community. It's a lot more about like having conversations and being bold and just saying like, this is the kind of project that I'm looking for. Who do you know that might know someone that could connect me with someone like that? But yeah, just it's a slow transition of clients that you have to take versus the clients that you want to have. I do really like that analogy though, the way you painted it. I'm going to, I'm going to use that even for like everything, honestly. <laughs> Thank you for that. But I want to um, switch gears a little bit because I do want to talk about cut class because I think it's very similar to corporate quitter and everything we stand for, but also right. It very much, I think resonates with my audience just in the way of like, we are pushed down paths that aren't right. And we think we have to go back to school and do all these things, but cut class is essentially saying, you don't have to go back to school. You don't have to follow a specific timeline, right? You cut the line, you cut class to actually get the gold nuggets you need to move forward. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Cut class was actually formed originally just with my one partner, Rochelle, who I did my MBA with. And then we have now a third partner show. But (laughs) Rochelle and I did our MBAs. And then as soon as we graduated, I resigned from my corporate job. She resigned from her corporate job. And she went and started driving. She became an Uber driver. And it was like, everybody was like, wait, they just spent like $125,000 on an education. And then like one of them is just totally resigned and is figuring things out. The other one's an Uber driver. In 2020, Rochelle and I were having a conversation and she was just like, I can't say that I regret getting my MBA, but you don't need your MBA. Like an MBA is really for people playing the corporate game. But then we realized we aren't even trying to play that game. So Rochelle was kind of like, wouldn't it be awesome if we formed a company And that company basically was like all the tricks and tips and roadmaps and plans that we wish that when we were starting our career, someone had told us, like, what if we could just take a bunch of people under our wing and just give them a shortcut? It's like the fast pass to success and just let them know this is what works now. And then, you know, I was like, well, wouldn't it be cool if it was all bite-sized and people could learn in five minutes a day or they could learn in five hours a day, but everyone got to kind of choose their own adventure. So we founded Cut Class in 2020. And the idea behind it is providing people resources and support to be better business people, whether that's owning your own business or not learning business is essential because you're either going to work for a business or own a business. So either way, you kind of need to know more about business. And so we started developing courses and resources. We have quizzes and all kinds of, you know, we have master classes and we do coaching as well just to help out. It's been a really incredible experience because it's like truly lights us up to help others. I do like how you had mentioned that 
you should learn business because you're either going to work for one or you're going to own one. Because I think a lot of people are like, oh, I don't need business skills. I don't need to learn marketing, sales, right? All these really foundational pieces of a business. But it works in your favor, whether you're on the back end of doing accounting or if you're client facing, like it literally doesn't matter. You still need to know these skills. Yeah. One tip I have is, you know, as someone who's owned a business in my twenties and then was in the corporate suite, when business owners are looking at their employees, they almost evaluate each person. Like this person gets business, they don't get business. And the people who get it and understand it are the ones who get more opportunities and promotions because businesses by nature are trying to do better business. So they promote the people who understand how to make better business. So for me, it's like if entrepreneurship and like, you know, and when I say entrepreneurship, I even mean like a freelancer is an entrepreneur, someone who's going to go out and do their own thing is an entrepreneur in my mind. But even if you realize that entrepreneurship is not for you, but you learned more business, okay, great, go be an entrepreneur, which means you're an employee who thinks like an entrepreneur at work and you'll be leading divisions of that company because you're showing yourself as someone who understands business and as a leader. And that's how I got the three promotions that I got so quickly in corporate was because I understood business. And so it kind of fast-tracked me. Yeah. I have found that I made really great strides in corporate because I had the problem-solving type of mindset. So if there's any, an issue, like literally there was an issue where like, for whatever reason, we would get checks in from the IRS and no one would cash them because there wasn't a quote unquote dedicated person doing that. So accounting had their hands up. They're like, I don't want to do that. And everyone else who was doing the filing was like, well, I don't want to do that. So it was like, well, we have a $2 million check sitting here. So I guess I'm going to go do this. And all of a sudden here I am, this little small fry who does nothing to do with like accounting and money has access to all of our major chase accounts because I just said, Hey, Hey, this is a problem. We need this money. I'm like, oh, cool. Now I'm recognized globally in this company. So you never know. Yeah, it is true. You just got to like find your path and run down it. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, I know what you do. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) With a lot of F-bombs in between. So (laughs) this has been really, really awesome. I know you have so much business advice. We could probably talk for another two hours, honestly. So I'm wondering as like a final send off, and I like to do this with all my guests just in general, but if you could give advice to your younger self or any business advice, some lasting piece of advice, what would that be? It's interesting because someone younger than me asked me, what would you tell your younger self? And I was teasing and I was like, will my younger self listen? Because <laughs> that's what I want to know. What I would tell my younger self is it all works out. I was such a stressor and such a stress case, worrying all the time, anxiety, and like anxiety turned into like depression. Like I just really struggled, but it all works out. I'd also say align with who you really want to be. Like see yourself in the future and start taking the actions that that future you would do so that you step into that future you. Have the friends that that future you would have. Do the things that that future you would do. And I would also tell myself, like, it's okay to let go. It's okay to let go of relationships sometimes. It's okay to let go of what you thought. It's okay to let go. Things evolve. The only constant that we know is that things are changing. I mean, I would definitely tell my younger self, just fucking calm the fuck down and chill the fuck out. It's (laughs) Just keep going. It's okay. (laughs) It's going to be great. Yeah. Now I understand why your social handle is let go and discover because now I'm like, oh, I I mean, I knew it, but like now it makes more sense. You know, um, when we 
get down to the essence of who we are. So for me, my essence is let go and discover. We think that like what our purpose is, is some form of medium. Like, oh, my purpose is to be a business coach. No, my purpose is not to be a business coach. My purpose is to help people let go of their fear, let go of the barriers in their way and discover who they can be through business. And I realized just the other day, one of my, I didn't mention it, but one of my first self-employment gigs was being a balloon sculptor. And I realized that even then as a balloon sculptor, I was still in that mode of let go and discover because I worked at Fridays. People were at happy hour because they were trying to decompress of their shitty day at work. And in that moment of sculpting a balloon animal for them, I was having them let go of their day, their nine to five experience to discover like, yeah, you can just let that go and this is the next moment. And then in this moment, there can be magic and joy, which I was passing them through a balloon animal, but it's not the medium, balloon sculpting or business coaching. It's like the essence of you is something kind of much more meta. Yeah. I like that a lot though. And I think you've given a lot of people who are listening permission to just be as opposed to like tick boxes or like have to have a certain title or whatever, because realistically, that's just such a small component of who you are as a person. I'm so excited that I connected with you. I love listening to you and chatting with you. Same, same. I've been loving all your TikToks. I'm like, fuck yeah, like go listen. They're so they're inspiring and they're also like triggering a lot of really necessary conversations, which I think is really great. Yeah. And I, I would love to have a little moment to say to the audience, like, look at this and think about this. Like here we are, cut class and corporate quitter. In a corporate context, we'd be competitors, right? We'd be like, oh my God, what is corporate quitter doing? Oh my God, what is cut class doing? But in this context, it's about rallying together. And like, I am completely out for your win because your win helps move a conversation along down the path. And you don't have that as much when it comes to companies like corporate. Oh no, you can't have fun with the competitor at all. Now it's just collabing, as they say. Yeah, collabing. No, you and I are like, (laughs) there's so much work to do. Let's just go do it together. I know, I agree. For my listeners, can you let them know where they can find you on social or if they want to get involved with Cut Class or any of that? Yeah, sure. So our website is Let's Cut Class. And if you want to connect directly with me, my handles are Let Go and Discover. That is my handle on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to connect on LinkedIn or Facebook, my name's Leslie Levito. (laughs) I'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure for those of you listening and even Leslie and I, we're going to be doing a lot more things together, whether it's TikTok lives or combined newsletters or who knows, there's the world is our oyster type thing. So a lot of things are coming. So um, check her out, see how we can work together. If any of you have suggestions, please let us know. But thank you for coming on, Leslie. Thank you for having me. I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thanks for listening to the Corporate Quitter podcast. Visit corporatequitter.com for resources, extended content, and additional information about our guests. To connect with us, stay up to date on all things Corporate Quitter, and to learn more about how you can leave the nine to five, follow us on Instagram and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys.